We have an extraordinary gift of support for you. We all face the same three major challenges when navigating divorce. Isolation, emotional overwhelm, and confusion around the logistics of divorce. Our three-tier support community addresses each of these with a community of peers to melt away your isolation, an emotional lifeline to keep you from drowning in anger, pain, and uncertainty, and a roadmap that provides expert wisdom and guidance through all the logistics during and post-divorce. You can get your free trial month at jbdcommunity.com. That's jbdcommunity.com. Check out this 24-7 support and begin to divorce successfully and thrive in your new life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Navigating Divorce by Journey Beyond Divorce on Divorce Source Radio. I'm Steve Peck, and on today's show, we're going to talk about an emotional decision of what to do with the marital home during divorce. You know, so many women have a strong attachment to the home they raised their family in, and many times they fight to keep it. But the question is, is that the right choice? And for the answers, we turn to the founder of Journey Beyond Divorce and host of Navigating Divorce. It's Karen McMahon. Welcome back, Karen. Hi, Steve. Today's show is uh, is a new topic. So far, we've we've focused a lot of our Navigating Divorce series on the legal, financial, and co-parenting aspects of divorce. Second to those is the very unsettling decision around what to do with your home and because many of us our home is our largest financial investment and it's such a um, solid foundation of stability in our lives that it's a topic that's filled with emotion and like you just discussed in terms of raising your family and having such attachment to it the questions are, you know, are you going to sell or stay? Can you afford to buy out your spouse or create an agreement that waits for the children to reach a certain age before splitting the assets? If you're moving, what can you afford? How do you decide where to live and whether to rent or buy? There are so many questions fears and limiting beliefs around this topic. And I'm really excited to have today's guest, Kathy Braddock with us. Kathy is a New York City real estate broker and managing partner uh, in Braddock and Purcell, which offers a really unique real estate service to those navigating divorce. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Prior to creating her firm, Kathy was responsible for oversight and supervision of Douglas Elliman's entire residential brokerage division throughout New York City, Connecticut, New Jersey, and Long Island. However, it was her expertise in handling relocation services for individuals and corporations who were moving their executives and employees that inspired her to support the divorcing community in the unique way that she now does. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you very much. 
Kathy, uh, well, first of all, listeners, you're gonna you're going to want to take notes because we have so much material to share with you. So so however it is that you do that, grab your pen, grab your iPad, and be ready to take a bunch of notes. Before we get into the details that we want to share, Kathy, I think it. I'd like to take a few minutes uh, to uh, to find out about the unique services that you offer, because I think that's going to help our listeners understand the perspective that you come from and the guidance that you can give them. So you've clearly been in the real estate world for a really long time. Uh, In a previous life, I sold real estate as well and did a little relocation work. What what was it about uh, your experience that led you to come up with this service that you offer? And what is the service and what led you to come up with it? Sure. Um, my business partner and I, Paul Purcell, created Braddock and Purcell to help the consumer really figure out what to do, where to do it, how to do it, and when to do it with their real estate concerns, whether to buy or sell or rent, and as I said, when, where, and how. Reason we created this is we both came from the corporate world of relocation. When we realized how um, executives were transferred, they were given a tremendous amount of attention and care, and they were really hand-picked agents to work with them. And what we realized is the everyday consumer doesn't have or didn't have access to the best of the best. Many people choose a real estate broker because they're using Cousin Susie Sally's best friend who just went into the business, and they really didn't give it the credence that it needs. Most people spend more time choosing a restaurant than they do a real estate broker, and that's just not okay. So picking the right real estate broker and knowing... uh, how to go about doing that is a really vital part is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. I mean, we consider, um, as you pointed out earlier, for most people, the buying or selling of their home is one of the single largest financial transactions they will make in their lifetime. And so we created a service to really help the consumer figure out the right broker to use and when to do the transaction. It's very similar to a personal shopper In a store, our services are completely free to the consumer. We collect what's considered a very standard brokerage referral fee from the agent that does the transaction in the end. We have no allegiance to any firm or service provider. We really narrow down and choose the best of the best for that particular person in that particular region. So it's interesting because in other uh, industries, that's what a broker is. A broker kind of is this in-between person who coordinates, and that's what I hear you do in the real estate field. Right. You could call us sort of the sourcer or the middleman, um, and we just we we use an expression. We sort of wrap our arms around the buyer or the seller. So it's not just here's the name of somebody we stay part of the dialogue and part of the transaction. So you are not just a sort of a, for lack of a better word, sort of an internet search. We're really a hand, we call ourselves a human search engine. We really touch the consumer, touch the broker, stay involved in the transaction so that you have a team of people working with you and for you. 
you know, and as as our listeners know, when you get to this place, there's first of all selling selling your home or considering what you're going to do with your home is so so emotionally charged and even if you're not going through a divorce there's all the emotions of of letting go of a place where you raised your family of what you think the value is worth versus what it's actually worth and then you add the conflict that you're in with your soon-to-be ex and the lack of trust across the board and the financial fear across the board in with everything else and it's just like a cocktail for disaster and then if you aren't engaging with the right professionals who have your best interest in mind and who are savvy enough to understand your needs it could really turn out badly. Well, I think you're, you're 100% right. And one of the value added of this consulting business is when we have a contentious situation, and unfortunately many divorce situations are that, we are the neutral voice. So rather than the husband or the wife or spouses, you know, ex-spouses to be picking real estate agents and the one spouse thinking the other one either wants to buy too high or sell too low or whatever it is, we are used as a neutral voice. So, for instance, in a sales situation, we would present three different brokers to somebody and to, to the team. And, and the husband and the wife or ex-spouses-to-be are not suggesting those names. We're coming up with them. So we are looked at as the neutral party. And it has been a very, um, it takes some of the, tension, some of the air, some of the nervousness out of that decision because, again, this is one of the assets you're going to dispose of and figuring out how to do it and when to do it, as you said, is incredibly stressful. So we, add, we take away some of that stress. And again, we are a neutral party. So for uh, let me ask you one more question about what you do before we jump into uh, giving some advice and direction. What is the you're you're based in New York City. Uh, what is the span of the geographic area that you cover? We actually can cover the entire United States because of our residential brokerage background and our relocation background. We actually know the right questions to ask to figure out who the right brokers are in a community. And we have done this particular service for something called Women & Co., which is a division of banking for women from Citibank all over the country. So it is not, it is, it is absolutely in our wheelhouse to help anybody in the United States to figure out who to use, what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. So as much as we have real estate knowledge, which we do, we have expertise in the process and expertise in asking you and your ex to be the right questions. From those questions, we then counsel you on what we think might make sense for you and your family in terms of next steps. And sometimes it's at the moment do nothing. So it's not always that you have to buy or sell. It's all part of the divorce package. So what I would love to do today, Kathy, is for you to not walk us through what you do as much as 
walk our listeners through what they should do. So for people who don't have access to a service like yours, one of the things when you and I were speaking the other day was you had said one of the first questions you ask is what they want to achieve. So can we start from that point? Absolutely. And again, as I said, you know, many, what, what you need to do if you own your own home, you need to be, I you know, assuming you're being mediated or there's a lawyer involved or something, you know, what does the financial picture look like? Because what you do with your marital home is so much part of the financial picture. So what does the division of assets look like? And how will they be divided up? And when will the money be accessible? And does the marital home have to be sold? That's the first practical question. And then if it doesn't, then does one spouse buy the other out? Does one, do, does, I know situations where the marital home is the base and each spouse ends up a week at the home, a week at the home, and the kids stay put. There's so many ways to slice up what you do with the marital home, but it, most of it depends on what the financial picture looks like. From there, that's driven as to whether you keep it, whether you sell it, and what can you afford to do? Then do both of you go into a rental situation? How are you going to divide up the pie? So as I'm listening to you speak, an interesting question that comes to mind is when? When do I, if I'm going through a divorce, when do I really need to engage with real estate professionals? My Per- personal and professional opinion is when you're thinking about even splitting up, the sooner the better. <laughs> the more information you have going into a situation, the better the outcome will be. So as soon as you have an inkling or you and your ex-to-be are starting to discuss it or you're feeling like you want out of the relationship or you think he does, it's time to start to shore up your what I call kitchen cabinet the people who you now are going to trust to help you make good decisions. And that could be a mediator, it could be a lawyer, it could be an accountant, a financial planner. And it's certainly, again, if you own real estate, it's a real estate professional who can start giving you some opinions as to what your home might be worth, what other homes in the area are worth, what your real estate options might be in the neighborhood if you need to stay in the neighborhood, Perhaps you're going to move, start looking if you have children at schools in another neighborhood that you are thinking about. Again, the more information you have going into the situation, the better the outcome. We do a show, we've done a show, and for those who are new to the the Navigating a Divorce series, uh, in the beginning of the series, we did a show called uh, The Divorce Landscape. And I completely agree with you, Kathy. One of the first things we we encourage our listeners to do is to get educated. Uh, And a second thing we encourage them to do is to begin to create an all-star support team, which, Mm -hmm. which most people think I need an attorney. And it's like, well, actually you definitely need an attorney, but you do need a financial person. You do need a divorce coach or a therapist of some type 
someone who's going to help you through the emotions. And real estate is almost like the uh, the stepchild, right? It's like people don't think about that until down the road a piece. And so what's interesting is you're saying, as soon as you start thinking about it, you want to reach out. And then what happens is you may not have to do anything for a while. But I'm hearing that by reaching out, by uh, finding out the value of your home, by just speaking to a professional who can ask you questions, which we're going to get to in a minute, that that is already helping you to create, uh, to get educated and create some some next steps and when those next steps will be needed. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I can tell you from our personal experience doing this with divorce, um, people going through divorce, the insecurity of not knowing where you're going to be living and, and no less your children and breaking of the traditions and the home creates a tremendous amount of stress and sadness. And therefore, having some idea of what your options are, you might not know what the conclusion is because it's way too soon, but at least you'll know your options. And once we have found people know what their options are, again, it's one piece less of that divorce puzzle that they have to really, really worry about. And there is so much great information out there to help you make these decisions. To your point, if you get this team together and put a real, real estate professional in that mix, then you're having you're, you know you're you're going off on all cylinders, and you have your professional person helping alongside with your financial piece. That will create those next steps. And so when it comes to the finances, someone's going to reach out to you. They're really not going to know what their financial settlement is, and they're not going to know whether or not they can afford to stay or go in those early, well, some people will, but for the people whose finances are are tighter, um, they they may not know. And still, yet still, meeting with uh, a real estate uh, professional and understanding the value of the home and the questions, like all the questions that they should be, um, they should be thinking about, uh, is really, really valuable. Well, it is again because it is. It gets very, you know, some of the some to your point. Sometimes it's it's pretty. It's easy to figure out, and sometimes it's harder to figure out. So, if you have some sense of what your home is worth. And some sense of if you have a mortgage on your home, we've dealt with some people in this situation where they know very little about their financial picture and they don't realize the house has maybe been, you know, refinanced. They kind of remember signing something, but they don't really know if, you know, how much debt is on the house. So some people think they own their own home and they find out, well, not, not exactly the bank owns some of it. So again, it's a piece of that financial puzzle and this particular piece plays into the emotional, because where you're going to actually have your family. And as we tell people all the time, it is not the size of the home that you should be focused on because many people are concerned about leaving, you know, you know, 5,000 square feet and having to scale down. But it's the quality of the family time that you're going to create in the next place. So the sooner you start having those kinds of conversations, the easier it is to think about making a change or as to what the next step, next neighborhood, next school system might look like if that is something in the cards. 
Absolutely. And from my own experience and working with some clients, one of the things I find fascinating is how often people think I have to stay because the children would be devastated and the children aren't aren't nearly as attached to your home as you are. And it's amazing when I first took my kids out looking because I was the one leaving the marital residence and I made I was like, let's let's go looking, guys. You know, we don't know when, but let's go looking. And every single place that we walked into, they would run through the house, they would pick their room, they would get excited about the view out the window. And I was dealing with so much emotional angst around it. And my children were young, my children were in grade school. But so often, uh, people get hung up on, um, on thinking that this is I have to make this work. I have to sacrifice just for the children. And that's not always the case, that a, no, a happy home. Right. Usually it's the worst mistake you know you can make. And since there's going to be change, and once you grasp and, and own the fact that everything is going to change, it doesn't always change for the worse. You right. can make you, you, this situation that you're about to go into for both of you could actually turn out much better with the right attitude and, and positive thinking and realizing, to your point, that it's not about the square footage. It's about, the, it's about what happens in the home and what happens with your, with your ex-spouse-to-be. And again, if, with, that, with that kind of outlook, you can have a better conclusion. But the more information you have up front, the better decisions you'll be able to make when you need to. Yeah, absolutely. And... If you find yourself, if you're listening and you have this story about how, you know, moving would be so devastating. I have so many clients who downsized uh, and found themselves in so much more peace and joy in their smaller home than the conflict and and struggle that was in the, you know, all of those additional additional square feet. And so I just want to encourage people in our 12-step divorce recovery uh, series, we have step seven is what's your story. And we talk about creating a story that doesn't serve you and that discourages you and that potentially paralyzes you. And since you're the, um, the author of that narrative to create one that works for you. And so if you find yourself struggling with this issue, I really encourage you to go and check out step seven, what's your story. And with that, I'm going to jump into some real uh, specifics here. So if I'm in the early stages, and I'm looking for a real estate broker, what are the kinds of questions? How would I vet to make sure that I'm finding a broker that is going to be valuable to me? Well, there's two st- there's there's two ways to think about this. Are you looking for a broker to help you on the buy side, potentially? Are you looking to help you on the sell side? Because different brokers do have different skill sets. So right off the bat, that's something you need to think about. Some brokers are much more prone to want to work with buyers, and some would prefer to work with sellers. So when you start interviewing brokers, that's one of the first things to find out. I would also suggest to people that they don't use the same broker for the buy and the sell. It's better to have a separation between church and state, so to speak. So these are just sort of from 30,000 feet, some of the bigger pictures. And then, of course, you're going to try to figure out, is this broker who 
this list of brokers you are getting names of, whether you're getting them from the newspaper, from the Internet, from friends, from suggestions from people, what, are, what is their expertise? What is the price point of where they're selling? How long have they been in the business? Certainly, on the buy side, it's not so important how long they've been in the business as much as it is on the sell side, because on the sell side, it is your asset, and you really want to be sure that you, your asset is being handled by somebody who has the touch and the know-how and understands what the value of this asset is. So in any business transaction, choosing a lawyer, choosing a doctor, it's no different. You've got to ask for references. You should talk to the references. And perhaps you have a 5,000-square-foot home, and the reference you just spoke to, they were selling a 10,000-square-foot home, maybe three times the price. They say it's a great broker, might be a great broker, but maybe not for your price point and your neighborhood. So you really need to drill down to what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Are they part of a team? Do they work on their own? Neither is good or bad. What works for you? And again, because this is such an emotionally challenging time for people, you have to like their personality because you're going to be dealing with them with the sale of this home. You've got to be able to work with them. And so does your ex-spouse to be most likely. So it's got to be someone who everybody feels neutral about and okay about and they're not steering the transaction one way or the other. Some of those are helpful. Yeah, I think that's great. And much like the advice that we give when you're hiring an attorney, that whole idea of personality, do they listen to you? Are they communicative? Um, you know, all of this, I think, makes is really important. Is Do you have anything uh, for people on your site or anything in terms of uh, a list of questions that they could reference? Is that available? Absolutely. We'll have a list of 20 questions in this particular situation that would be helpful for them. Beautiful. Beautiful. So so why don't you give your website now and we'll do it again at the end. Sure. It's www.bandp.com. Bandp.com. Stands for Braddock and Purcell.com. Great. what kind of info? So now we've let's assume we've 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 done our interviewing. We found the right real estate agent. What kind of information should our listeners be clear on in terms of uh, uh, their needs and their situation when talking to a real estate professional? Well, I think one of the things we do need to talk about is this interim step that maybe needs to also be taken because you're changing a lot of things, and again. The financial picture in your life is going to change. Your location may change. And, you know, how permanent does the next step need to be? So perhaps, to again, to put a little space between you and everything that's going on, in terms of the next steps, maybe you want to think about renting. Take a breath. Everybody doesn't have to own their home right away. And sometimes it is better to take a pause, move your kids, move yourself, see how that first year goes, and then decide to make a more permanent uh, financial decision with your housing. And sometimes we don't think that way. We think, oh, my gosh, we have to buy, we have to buy, because homeownership is such an important part of being an American. 
but sometimes it's better to stay more flexible and to rent while so much change is going on. So if someone has children, if someone has young children in grade or middle school, uh, what, what's, what do you recommend in a situation like that? Well, if you want to keep your child in the same school district, it is always still possible to find some kind of rental. Even in today's world with Airbnb, it's possible. Um, I don't, most people don't want to move their kids that often, but finding out what your rental options are while you are looking at selling your home is a great idea because at least you'll see, again, what the landscape looks like and what the possibilities are for your next home life. And that also really gives you and your family a time to really figure out how this past year went and what your next steps look like. And, and a lot of people may jump too soon into something that's too permanent, and then that makes a bad financial choice. Sometimes it's okay to rent. I know a lot of people feel that it's a waste of money, but sometimes that money is very well spent because what you're doing is buying some space and some peace of mind. And we can't really put a value on peace of mind. Yeah, I have a client who just recently tried to buy and it fell through and it was such a blessing in disguise. And now she's renting and she just realizes she's in the middle of a divorce. There's so many moving pieces and her ability to think clearly and to even know what she wants right now is is really limited whereas once the divorce is over and all the dust has settled uh she'll be in a very different position and it's interesting because i think that there is this taboo that like renting is bad and oh my god not only am i getting a divorce but i'm going from being a homeowner to a renter well this is just terrible Right. A lot of people have an ego in it. And, and, and home ownership is the American dream. I mean, it, it clearly is. But again, it's not that you'll never own another home. It's when you should buy your next home. And, and again, a lot of times rental, to your point, has a bad, you know, bad feeling for people because you know, people say, oh, you're just throwing money away on rent. Well, it's no different than spending money on a therapist or spending money on a trip or anything else is going to bring you some peace of mind to help you make the next possible good decision as opposed to buying something that's the wrong decision and then all of a sudden you're in a place that you own. Maybe you can't get out of it that easily. Maybe something else is going to change in six months. There's, you, you will get your life recreated the way, you, the way it will happen if you take sort of a step back and look at the whole, I call it a, a divorce puzzle. And the pieces will all fall together, but they don't all fall together at the same time. Right. Yeah, and I think that um, if you're in a position, if you're listening in and uh, you know that uh, money is going to be tight once you're splitting it between two households or if you're not uh, if you're not. Uh, a really handy person and um, and you're going to be taking on all of the care of the home, there's a lot of upsides to temporarily renting where somebody else is responsible for all repairs that go on and where you can really keep the focus on rebuilding your life. And so I think that there are a lot of positives there. So 
if someone is in a position to buy and they're looking to buy, again, my question earlier was what information should they be clear on when talking to the real estate professional? So let's say we're looking at buying. What are some of the other things that you would... The first thing you need to do is what we call get your financial passport in order. And that means what can you really afford to buy? And that is not going to be told to you by a real estate broker. That's going to be a mortgage broker, a bank, will give you your pre-approval. Once you really understand what you can buy, then it's time to start to talk to a real estate broker. Having said that, you never want to be what we call house poor. So a bank may say you can spend X, but the bank is not taking into account you and the kids are going to Disney World or that you might need a new car or that you know, you might have to spend more on childcare now because of the divorce situation. So whatever the bank says, you know, that you can afford based upon your financials, keep in mind what other things you were thinking about spending money on because the worst thing to do is have a new home and not be able to do the other things in your life that are going to help with the change that has just occurred. But once you do know what you can spend, then it's time to talk to a real estate broker finding one that is an expert in the area you want to be living in, in the price point that you want to spend, and then go out and see things. It's never too soon to start to see property. The market can always change, but at least you become an educated consumer. So let's move to um, to actually figuring out where to live. What kinds of... Uh, what kind of uh, information and, and decisions need to uh, come into play when you're figuring out where to live? Like first off, clearly there has been some tentative agreement between you and your ex if you have children as to how far one can live from the other, you know, does it have to be in the same town, how many miles apart. And once you logistically know where everyone kind of needs to put the, the push pins in the map, then you start to look at those communities that fit that description. Once you have located the areas, then the questions are, are the kids going to stay in the same school? Can you afford to keep them in the same school district? And if not, and you have to go to a less expensive school district, then it's time not to look at homes. It's time to look at schools. And it's time to pick the school system that best you like best in the price point that you can afford. Once you've figured that out, then it's time to look for homes in those communities. And when you are looking, if you do have to change communities, spend time in those areas. Go to the local religious you know, institution. If that's, uh, you know, if that's a place you go, sit at the local Starbucks. Go to the local playground. See the community at night. Go to one of the restaurants. See it during the day. Go to a Little League game. Just get a sense of what that community is going to be like because, as you said earlier, the type of home you're going to have will be fine. As long as a happy home is not, the, is not about square footage. It's not about is it a Tudor or a ranch. It's about what happens in it. And if your kids and you are happy in the community, you will be happy in the home that you find. Yeah, that's great advice. Let's talk about the home for a minute. I know that when I sold real estate, people, you know, had their their wish list uh, 
And right. sometimes the wish list didn't exactly ma- match the budget. Uh, right. well, we call it a wish list, a want list, and a must-have list. Yeah, I like that. And everybody should get something from the must-have list because that's fun. That's what you're looking forward to. So let's say you never had a big bathtub and that's something you must have. Great. Find a big bathtub. Have something in the new place. And a rental as well, by the way. It does not preclude you should be happy in your rental home too. But everybody has to get something that they must have. Then there's something you want and there's something you wish for. As long as you can separate those things out, you will be happy. You will never get everything you want in any community today, and I don't care how much money you have to spend, there's always something lacking. And certainly New York City is, is the best example of that. You can buy something at $92 million and not have a garage. So, you know, you know, so everybody is going to get something to be happy about. So definitely put something happy on there. And then in terms of uh, being realistic, uh, how do you, I mean, do you, do you suggest that people prioritize? Or? You have to. And, and this is something you alluded to with your own children. And again, you can include your children to the point where you're empowering them, making them in, feel part of the process. And then sometimes... Quite frankly, they don't want to be part of the process at the moment. It's not that they don't mind the change. They just sort of say, okay, you do what you need to do or, and leave them out of it. But if it is inclusive, it's a fun family activity. You know, oh, I want a little bigger backyard or I want to live in a loft or I want, you know, another child says, well, I want my own room for the first time or I'm excited about sharing a room with my sibling. You know, it's part of a dialogue, understanding that nobody will have everything, but at least if you put those thoughts out in, in the universe and you start communicating with your family, and again, and this could also, if it is not contentious, this is the discussion with your ex-to-be as well, because maybe the home he's going to go into, or she, however it is, will have one of those elements that you don't have. So maybe one somebody's going into a high-rise with a swimming pool, so the kids get to go swimming when they're staying there. It's not just about what you and your home and your home is going to look like. It's also very much what the exes is going to look like. And you can collaborate on that so that everybody has some, oppor- some opportunity, again, to have something that's new and exciting for them. And I think especially with the kids, I think that there's so much that we can do um, to talk about uh, that I know with my children, it was like, okay, so now you're having two two rooms and, and there's the in-ground pool at dad's house and and then we have something special here and, and even, you know, how do you want to decorate your room and how can you be involved in it? And so there's so many ways to help the children along. And again, if you're in resistance and you see this as doom and gloom and negative, then that's what you're going to communicate. And in fact, it will pour more stress and tension into the situation. And so that's something that uh, we each have control over. And it's a matter of first taking a look at our own perspectives and then shifting them to something positive so that we can share that with our kids. Right. And the sooner, as we keep saying, but I can't stress it enough, the sooner we start 
and I'm sorry to use it again, but start looking at the puzzle pieces and putting them together. We're not, you, you know, you're not going to be rushed. You're not going to be in a panic. You're not going to be surprised because sometimes we don't fare better financially in a divorce, as you said. So sometimes their square footage has to be down. We have to move neighborhoods. We have to get rid of, you know, the vacation home or whatever it is. But all of that seems very daunting, but the more time goes by and the more it sinks in and the more you have things to look forward to as opposed to be taken away from you, the time heals. It just does. So the more time you have to do this process properly and calmly, the better it is for you, your ex, and your kids. Yeah, and I would imagine, Kathy, that if if I'm going through this process and I'm doing due diligence and finding a real estate agent, uh, okay, so let's say for either renting or buying right now, I'm finding somebody that I trust that communicates well with me, even if I'm in a whole lot of financial fear and overwhelmed by the divorce in general, uh, that I have this partner and that's their expertise. They're there to guide me, to help me to sort out any confusion, to be a sounding board in terms of my options. And so that there's always that partner there. And to me, uh, that would make all of the difference in the world. Right. And that's why in the end, you're going to use a different broker for that for the uh, for the next phase of your life because that's your private space you know that person is not going to be sharing with your ex what your maybe what your motivation your goals etc they're just working for you whereas the person who's going to sell the marital home most of the time works for both of you so having your own person on for the next phase who you trust who you like to your point, is going to be that real estate advisor, your professional, like your attorney, maybe like a therapist, that's the person who you're looking for. You know, and for those of you who are thinking, oh my God, I could never do that. I could never tell my neighbor, Sally, that she can't sell my house and sell me something new. I I really want you to listen to what Kathy's saying here, because this isn't about you being loyal to somebody else. This is about you being loyal to you. This is about you putting yourself first and taking care of your needs in each situation. And I'm so glad that you said that because I think most people would feel like, you know, well, if he or she helped me sell, then, you know, it's only right that I also give them the opportunity to, you know, to to make this other deal as well. And you're saying that that's rather uh, askew, that that's not what's best for... That's absolutely wrong. And it's actually wrong unless your neighbor happens to be the best possible broker in the world, which is possible, it's sort of like if your neighbor is a heart surgeon and you need heart surgery, are you just going to say, oh, it's my neighbor, he's a heart doctor, I guess it makes sense to you? <laughs> Absolutely not. You're going to interview heart surgeons, and if it happens to be your neighbor, well, that's great or not, I don't know. But, you know, again, we started Braddock and Purcell because more people spend time picking a restaurant and a caterer than they do a real estate broker. And that's not okay. It is your single largest financial transaction you're going to make in your lifetime. And you have to put the same thought into it that you do if you hire a doctor, a lawyer, or a financial planner. So therefore, you will get a lot of pressure from people when they know you want to sell or buy your home from friends, 
people who know people in the industry. And you have to choose the professional, as you do in every other aspect of your life, that is the right person for your needs and who has the background and the pedigree and the expertise to work within your market at your price point. And that's just the way it is. And we will have these 20 questions for you to sort of look at to help source a real estate broker for that purpose. And we are always available to help you as well. Excellent. So I'm hearing that first, you know, making a real estate professional, a broker, part of your all-star support team is really important that uh, that doing the research early on and beginning to educate yourself early on so that you can diminish your fear and anxiety of the unknown is really valuable to have a list of uh, uh what you need and everything from the agreement if there's children in terms of how far apart from your soon-to-be ex you can live to uh, what you need in terms of the size and details of the home, what you need in terms of the community that you're going to be living in, and then uh, and making sure to have two different professionals, one on either side, the selling and the buying or renting side, and to and I would imagine the same thing to engage with a mortgage broker or a banker, again, always making sure that you feel comfortable with the relationship to understand what your financial ability is, uh, are some of the really key points that we touched on. Is there anything um, primary that I that I missed, Kathy, in that summary? No, I think you <laughs> did a great job putting it together and just clearly understanding that your life is going to change a bit, but that change is not going to necessarily be for the worse. It creates a lot of positive opportunities. The more educated you are, the more homework you do, the better outcome you're going to have. And I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is you do not want to make an emotional decision about staying in the home or buying a new home. You want to make a financial decision so that it's sound and so that you're starting your new life, the new chapter of your life uh, on very, uh, in very sound footing. Absolutely. And you're, yes, there, you're, you do not make a bad financial decision based upon attachments to things. That is not going to create a good financial outcome. And in the end, financial stability will create a happy home and a new happy life. And if that means going into a rental for a year or so, then that's okay. It is really okay for you to get settled, take a breath, and then figure out your next steps. And if you're the person who hasn't been as involved in the finances of these kinds of decisions and you partner with the right real estate professional, then this is going to be another growing opportunity for you to step into this decision making and to build your confidence and to have that partner to help you get clear. Absolutely. And, you know, as I called it, your financial passport, a bank, mortgage broker, along with the real estate broker, there are great people out there that you can create as your trusted advisor. So you're never going to be doing it alone. And it is really not as overwhelming as some people think it is because they haven't done it yet. It's like riding a bike. You know, you got to get on that bike. But once you start pedaling, you go. So putting that right team in place, and if you find you've made the wrong choice, change it. It's not a big deal. 
just change it. Get a different broker. Get a different mortgage broker. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. So don't stick with something that is making you unhappy. There are great professionals out there, and you will find the ones that are right for you. Kathy, do you have any last um, pointers or tips that you want to give before we uh, tell our listeners how they can find you again? No, I think it's everything you've said, and putting what I call your kitchen cabinet together for your next steps is so important. Just circle, get a great group of people who you need around you for this next phase, and you will come out better than ever. And how can our listeners reach you? Uh, Phone number is 212-715-0899. And your website again? Our website is braddockandpurcell.com. And that's B-R-A-D-D-O-C-K-A-N-D Purcell, P-U-R-C-E-L-L dot com. Excellent. Thank you so much. And for the listeners, if you haven't heard the shows before, uh, Journey Beyond Divorce is a team of myself and five other coaches. We coach men and women all across the English-speaking world. We, uh, we, what we do, what coaching is all about is coming alongside you, being a sounding board, helping you to get really clear on what's keeping you stuck, on what you desire, on taking a look at your part and seeing what you need to change about your thoughts or behaviors in order to enhance and increase uh, your experience of of life in general, and certainly to be able to negotiate your divorce with greater ease. And so if you're struggling in any of the areas that we've talked about, and you would like to reach out our first, uh, our first session coaching session is a full coaching session, and it's on the house, so that we can show you the power of coaching, and you can get really clear on something that you're struggling with. And you can reach out to us at journeybeyonddivorce.com. You can go to the contact page and we would be happy to have one of our coaches uh, schedule a session with you. So feel free to reach out. We also have a Facebook uh, closed community called Journey Beyond Divorce Community. So feel free to check us out there and uh, join your tribe. Uh, We have over 1,300 men and women who are navigating divorce, who support each other and get coached in group coaching on that site as well. And we will be back again. The next show is going to be with a personal organizer who's going to talk about how to get your home ready um, for this transition. We have an extraordinary gift of support for you. We all face the same three major challenges when navigating divorce, isolation, emotional overwhelm, and confusion around the logistics of divorce. Our three-tier support community addresses each of these with a community of peers to melt away your isolation, an emotional lifeline to keep you from drowning in anger, pain, and uncertainty, and a roadmap that provides expert wisdom and guidance through all the logistics during and post-divorce. You can get your free trial month at jbdcommunity.com. That's jbdcommunity.com. 
Check out this 24-7 support and begin to divorce successfully and thrive in your new life.